Thank you for joining us for today's episode of Quality Care Talks. Sponsored by the Health Facilities Association of Maryland, HFAM, Quality Care Talks explores leadership, innovation, and the critical issues facing long-term and post-acute care providers serving Marylanders in need. Whether you are a provider, vendor, or consumer, Quality Care Talks will help you navigate the complex and ever-changing healthcare industry. Hey, everybody, this is Joe D'Amatos with HFAM Quality Talks, the podcast of our Health Facilities Association of Maryland. I am, of course, the host of the podcast and the CEO of HFAM. And today we have joining us Sheila McLean, the Vice President of Health Quality Innovators. And what's incredible, Sheila, about every time I see you is I read your bio. And it says that Sheila McLean has more than 25 years of experience in healthcare, right? Which means you started basically when you were like 14, exactly. right? Right. So <laughs> you you got your undergraduate degree from Virginia Commonwealth University. You got your MBA from Liberty. You've been at this a while. You're a licensed nursing home administrator in both Virginia and Maryland. Thank you for making the time. Well, thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. It's I'm a super pleasure. excited. We're super, super excited. So Tell us and our listeners about HQI. I'd be happy to. So established in 1984, Health Quality Innovators, or known as HQI, is an independent, nonprofit healthcare quality consulting organization. And we've been working with Maryland providers, including 186 nursing homes for the last five years. We equipped healthcare providers in every setting of care with tools, training, and technical assistance they need to address a wide range of quality priorities. And we do this by convening providers, patients, families, and stakeholders in collaborative learning networks to share knowledge and take action. Great. Tell me a little bit more about the collaborative networks. Well, so for example, we have brought together nursing homes and hospitals to improve care transitions with a focus on reducing readmissions and preventing sepsis-related hospitalizations. In addition, we work in that collaborative manner to analyze data and help drive improvement. We offer improvement resources and deliver training and provide quality coaching. And our team of more than 70 experienced healthcare professionals include hospital executives, practice managers, nurses, behavioral health clinicians, health information managers, and pharmacists, and many of whom are based right here in the state of Maryland and have experience working with Maryland and for Maryland providers. And as you mentioned, I had the privilege of serving as a nursing home administrator here in Maryland. That's outstanding. So you work in Maryland. You also work in additionally in other states? We do. We actually conduct much of our quality improvement work as the Quality Innovation Network Quality Improvement Organization for Maryland and Virginia. And this is a federally funded program that allows us to deliver many of our improvement services at no cost to providers. So you're really a connector between the provider community and CMS with really a prime target on collaboration, integration with the idea of improving quality care and the quality experience for people who are receiving care across these settings. Is that right? That is correct. And these Quinn QIO improvement initiatives actually align with the national health quality goals and, as you said, really span the continuum of care. In particular, with the nursing homes, we've been focusing on 13 clinical quality measures 
that contribute to the STAR rating on Nursing Home Compare, for example, preventing pressure ulcers and decreasing inappropriate use of antipsychotic medications. We've also been assisting Maryland facilities with improving resident care processes, MDS coding and reporting, infection prevention, and implementation of antibiotic stewardship. And again, we've done this through facilitating educational webinars, turnkey improvement toolkits and tip sheets, and we give our nursing facilities monthly reports that compare their performance on measures to that of Maryland nursing homes as a whole. And we also benchmark it again against that region approach with Virginia included. So the sense that I get, right, so this is a leadership podcast on healthcare and on leadership targeting specifically Maryland. We have listeners that are in skilled nursing and rehab settings. We have listeners that are in assisted living. We have partners, either associate member partners or hospital partners that listen to the podcast they, because they tell us they do. So from a leadership healthcare perspective, maybe answer this for me. And what is the problem HQI is seeking to solve and who ultimately you're serving in solving that problem? So, as I said, as a Quinn QIO, our improvement initiatives align with national health quality goals. So, we know that healthcare providers across the continuum of care are already working towards goals. We're not setting new goals. There are these are goals that everyone's already working towards and trying to obtain, as well as their own health system goals or corporate ownership goals. So, what we seek to do is really come in identify what are the goals, where do we have this alignment, but where are their gaps Mm. and what they are currently doing and how can we help fill those gaps? As I mentioned, these services are funded by CMS. They're free. They're free at no cost to the provider. So really we can just be that extra pair of hands, that extra expertise for providers to help solve the problems that they are still finding that they are experiencing and and haven't quite been able to fill in those gaps yet. That's incredible. It's super important. Are we getting better? We absolutely are getting better. For our nursing facilities that we've been working with, 110 Maryland facilities have shown significant improvement in their quality measures. And of course, this translates into fewer falls, fewer pressure-related entries, fewer urinary tract infections, better pain management, and less use of antipsychotic medications. That's incredible. Really, really, really important. So I got to ask you, because it always intrigues me, because I experience you as a person that's perfect for this discussion because you have this administrator background, this focus on quality care, and you're a leader. So I've got to ask you, how did you end up as a leader in healthcare? I have my parents to thank for that, actually. During the summer, when I was 13 years old, my parents said to me, okay, too young to How work. old now? How old? I was 13. Wow. And they were like, obviously you're too young to work. You can't, we can't put you out to work legally, but you're also too old to goof off all summer. So they set up volunteer jobs for me. And the first one was at a nursing home, the local nursing facility. Of course, I went kicking and screaming like any 13-year-old teenage girl would. I'm doing this only because you're making me. I'll go today and never again. So the first day at the nursing facility, I was paired up and introduced to my new friend who was a retired school teacher. And as a good school teacher, she she was, she actually was engaging and talking with me. And she was like, can you say your ABCs? So certainly said my ABCs. 
Then she proceeded to say, well, I bet you can't count from 10 to 1 backwards. Of course I can. Halfway through, slap. <laughs> of course, being 13, and this is my first experience, I was a little flustered, didn't know what to expect. I went to the administrator, and she sat down with me and took the time to explain wow. to me about Alzheimer's, about behaviors that sometimes happen with Alzheimer's patients, and really just took me under her wing. And at the end of the day, I was hooked. I did not go to any other volunteer sites. And actually, my parents had to remind me, you are a 13-year-old teenager, and you need to go and do some other activities. You don't need to be at the nursing home every day. But I fell in love with it, and I actually, as I became old enough to work, I took summer jobs at that same nursing home through high school and college. I worked as a receptionist, activities assistant, and nursing assistant. And that's where I just found my passion for this and, and knew I wanted to be a nursing home what administrator. What a great story. So that informed the fact of what you studied at VCU. Yes. That's pretty yes. cool. That's pretty. So let me ask you now, flash forward to today, just a couple years beyond 13, <laughs> what gets you motivated in the morning? What gets you up in the morning? Knowing that no day is the same. I'm a person who loves change and I thrive on solving problems. And I guess it's the healthcare worker in me. I like to fix things. I like to make it better. So knowing that each day I have the ability to do that and I get to do that in such creative ways and with such talented people gets me motivated each day. You know day. what I love when I hear that, right? So we all have days where we approach our work and it's like, oh man, I gotta do this versus I get to do that. And I don't think I've ever really experienced you where you've not been, Joe, can you believe this? I get to do that. So that's pretty cool. What do, you, what do you consider your personal mission in all of this work? Well, my personal mission really begins with family. It's to focus on my life at home and with my family, my loved ones and my friends. And then I want to use my love of people to make everyone feel welcomed and valued through respect and intentional listening. And I seek to serve others so that they may excel at all stages of their lives. That's a lot. That's a lot. So this notion of empowering others to come from a place of both love and empowerment, you find that it still impacts you in every sphere of your life daily. Absolutely. You make space for it. Absolutely. So leaders make space for that sort of thing, for values and taking values and bringing action to those. And so some of your governing values would be what you think? I've heard a little bit of them, but what would they be? <laughs> I think I probably my three top priority ones are accountability and first accountability to myself. I recognize that I need to be responsible and answerable to my behavior in order to create a sense of trust from others. The second is showing appreciation and being grateful for the contribution others make is important. There is no way goals are accomplished alone and be appreciative of those who provide help and support. And then dependability is very important to me. My parents always taught me if I make a commitment, I need to keep it. So accountability, appreciation and gratitude and dependability. You know, the uh, accountability thing is really, really powerful because if you're not accountable with yourself and all the spheres of your life as a leader, it's difficult to be accountable in other spheres or asking other people to be accountable, right? It's that notion of if you say you're going to go to the gym, 
And if it's every day you don't go, that's a problem because then it becomes easier to make an excuse, right? In some other part of your life. And people notice that. So what do you consider the must, the urgent in both your personal and your professional life? Well, right now, my professional life and personal lives are colliding. Oh. Last year, my mother experienced some medical issues that resulted in multiple hospital visits, visit mm-hmm. to specialists, and a rehab stay. Currently, my husband and I are supporting my mother-in-law in the decision to move into an assisted living facility. Thank goodness, my mother is doing better, and my mother-in-law is able to participate in the decision-making process. However, working through all of this, I still see opportunities for improvement across the continuum of care. For example, with my mother, she chose to stay within a health system because she wanted the continuity of care, continuity of communication. But during her healthcare experience, we went from physician offices to urgent care, to a hospital, to a rehab stay. And I'm thinking, this is great. They're all connected. They're all talking to each other. But what I discovered is there was still a lack in that interoperability. We had an emergency one day where she fell and just we went straight to the hospital and I forgot to take her medication list because it was a sense of urgency to get to the hospital. And that's really when I discovered that lack of interoperability because I was like, oh, that's okay. All of that's going to be in the record. It wasn't because they couldn't talk to each other. Now, this occurred in Virginia, not here in Maryland. And again, got great care. She's doing great. But it just showed me that there was still that opportunity for interoperability and also that communication from provider to provider. It was it weighed on myself and my father to communicate to the healthcare providers along the way where she was in her journey. But luckily here in Maryland, we have a great health information exchange system. So sort of having that experience and seeing that opportunity in Virginia and knowing what Chris has to offer as the HIE here in Maryland you know, I really urge providers to really, you know, take advantage and of what the services are here in Maryland. Um, well, I mean, thank you for mentioning that. I mean, working on CRISP and getting providers across multiple settings to engage with CRISP is a priority of HFAM for precisely the reason that you mentioned. And on the one hand, it's unfortunate that we all have these consumer experiences as people that are healthcare professionals that work in the profession, but it's great when we take a moment to realize that those are not separate worlds and allow ourselves to be informed by our consumer experience and by the consumer experience and the quality experience of our loved ones. And, you know, it's not a week goes by where I don't put on my um, hat with, you know, a friend an elected official, a family member calls me to help navigate through something, not necessarily even in post-acute care, right? Because they're not used to doing it. And all of that, that we go through, it all informs all of that. You know, So it's on the one hand, a challenging time for you and for all of us, us boomers, but it's, but it's also a very rewarding time because I don't know of many professions where you can take your real world experience, good and bad, and apply it for benefit, like in real time, right? In, right. In, in your career. So that's pretty cool. You must have had mentors. Oh, absolutely. So, so who are some of the mentors absolutely. that have helped you to be a better leader in healthcare, a better person, and a better leader in general? There's been many. 
many and they're they're with me today. But I have to say that when I was thinking about this and reflecting on this, I think I'd have to say it was that very first administrator I met, um, mm. Barbara Anderson, when I was 13 years old. And you know, I, I went to volunteer at her facility. Barbara allowed me to literally grow up in the nursing home and all the while teaching me not only about the business, but also how to appreciate the lives and the stories of the residents and the importance of valuing the team. Pretty powerful. Now, we, of course, at HFAM stand ready and work all the time to serve as a connector between you and the Maryland provider community. And we're like doubling down on that. We're all in with you. So anything we can do to help, we're there to help. And so we really appreciate it. But how can people reach out to HQI and you and try to work thing, something going forward? Well, please feel free to reach out to me personally at any time. My email is smclean, S-M-C-L-E-A-N at hqi.solutions. And then our website is also easy. It's hqi.solution. So we'll put those in the notes for today's podcast. And you've been absolutely a joy to speak with. Is there anything that I asked you about or didn't ask you about? You're like, gosh, I wish Joe had brought that up. Let me know. What, What else would you like to add? I think just in closing, what I would add is really having providers make that connection between quality improvement and value. I think, you know, we all have, we've done QA&A, quality assurance, quality assessment, but now quality improvement really goes beyond that. And it's really looking at connecting that, the improvements that we need to make each and every day to add value, value as leaders financially, um, making an impact, but more importantly, adding value to the lives that we serve. Absolutely. Amen to that. So today, our guest on the HFAM podcast, Quality Care Talks, has been Sheila McLean, the Vice President of Health Quality Innovators. And I cannot thank you enough for making the time today, but for what all the things that you do every day in Maryland and Virginia. Thanks very much. Thank you. Thank you for joining us on Quality Care Talks. We would love your feedback on today's episode. Please be sure to rate us on iTunes. Quality Care Talks is produced by the Health Facilities Association of Maryland, the state's oldest and largest nationally affiliated association of skilled nursing and rehabilitation centers. For more information, visit www.hfam.org.